This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Live. It is Sunday night, October 18th of the year of our Lord, 2020. Absolutely wild weekend, which included me having to stay down in Georgia because of, as I will delicately put it, vehicular issues. But hey, I got monitors all over the place. I got TVs just like you do, so I saw everything last night. We got a ton to get to. Sunday nights are always jam-packed. If you haven't already, subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. We are only loading this thing up more and more as the weeks go by. Also, follow me on Twitter. Now more than ever, very important there. We are dropping a lot of our best bets over there. We had another one yesterday morning that we added late. We got the number we wanted on Pitt. We'd been waiting for that. And so we got that one. Went 2-3 and three on the week overall, still sitting at 59% on the year. So we are very happy with where we are to this point. Uh, at Late Kick Josh is where you can follow me on Twitter. We got Bama, Georgia, wall-to-wall reaction tonight. South Carolina takes down Auburn. We predicted that one. Kentucky takes down Tennessee. We didn't quite predict that one. It's not a laughing matter. I understand. Also, uh, we got a number of other games I just want to skim the surface of. We try and hit as much as we can on the Sunday show, but we try and get in depth on the stuff that probably matters the most in terms of the national pulse. So we're going to do all of that and more. Let's dive right in. There's obviously nowhere else we could start other than Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Alabama, a 41-24 to win over the Georgia Bulldogs last night. Sometimes we kick off our game reviews with padlock stats. The padlock stat, if you're unfamiliar with the show, and subscribe here if you haven't already, if you're new. The padlock stat is just this. It is if I were to have folded up a piece of paper, put it in an envelope, and delivered it to you Friday, and you opened that up, and it showed you just one stat that was going to come from that Saturday's game, you would use only that stat, and you'd be able to predict the winner. Well, I think we had a padlock stat here. Could be a few of them, but I look at one in particular, and that is this. Stetson Bennett threw the ball 40 times for Georgia. If you told me that, I would have told you Alabama's probably had a pretty good night against Georgia, and they did. Listen, I'm going to go back. I don't do the whole I told you so thing because we get stuff wrong here just like anyone else does, but we have been adamant, and we have not been deterred by a lot of the criticism in the comment section about our opinion of Stetson Bennett. I got one, you got one, that's fine. But we have backed ours up, and I've backed mine up, with, I think, pretty logic-based reasoning. And the reasoning is simply this. It's not hating on the guy. I love Stetson Bennett. I'd love for him to run for president and get elected one day. Stetson Bennett has never been, and will not be at any point this year, a quarterback capable of winning an SEC title at Georgia. What he is capable of is when he has proper support beating Auburn. When he has proper support, he is capable of beating Tennessee. But you see, what he's not capable of doing is going toe-to-toe with not Mac Jones, because those guys weren't on the field at the same time, but trading points. He's not capable when you get him out in the deeper water and you get that Georgia offense out in the deeper water like Alabama did last night, 
That's not an offense when piloted by him that's going to trade shots with an elite offense. It's never been that way, okay? And so we've pointed that out, but since they were winning, no one ever wants to talk about potential flaws when teams win. Well, now Georgia's lost a game. And so now I look, and it's it's the seesaw effect, okay? Now, we've been not as high on Stetson Bennett as other people. Well, now folks want to crap all over him, so we're probably a little bit higher on Stetson Bennett now than some of you apparently are, judging by the aforementioned comment section today. But listen, this was not hard to see coming, guys. We spent an inordinate amount of time. Probably, Colin, you're not in my room here. I don't know why I'm looking off to the side. I'm looking at a lamp right now, but I'm pretending the lamp is you. Colin, did we not talk ad nauseum last week? Yeah, exactly. You're shaking your head. Did we not talk ad nauseum about tipped balls in this game last week? How hard was this to see coming? Stetson Bennett's not a tall guy. Alabama had to have watched that success he's had over the middle of the field. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. But tip balls were going to be a problem in this game for him. And they were, early and often. I think they had five or six total in the game, one of them early for a turnover. So the point is, Stetson Bennett last night was not asked to win this game on his own. Here's here's something I took away. I heard Jake Rowe say this earlier today over on Dogs 24-7. He, um, you know, sometimes a quarterback will be asked to do everything. And that wasn't the case here. Uh, Georgia ran the ball pretty darn well. Georgia played as good a defense as you can hope to play against Alabama. They had the lead at half, guys. I and mean, I don't know what more you could ask for there. But what Jake said is very, very accurate. He said Stetson Bennett got as much support as any Georgia quarterback's ever gotten playing against Alabama. The run game was there. I think they averaged over five per carry. Uh, receivers were open. I mean, big time open in some cases. It's just that there are limitations in this offense as long as Stetson Bennett's the quarterback. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on that. I just wanted to mention that and kick it off here. But I'll tell you who can win an SEC championship with their quarterback, and that's Alabama. Mac Jones, I don't know if I've seen a bigger statement game from, from one individual this entire college football season as I did him last night. It is my opinion that Georgia's defense is still today the best in the country. I just think Alabama's that good. I was in dis I gotta be honest with you. I was a little bit in disbelief as to what they were able to do last night. I'm down here in Georgia. I'm actually at my mom and dad's house. And I sat there on the couch with my dad last night and watched this thing. And you're you're just you're thinking about how surreal it is because of what they lost this last year. Think about not knowing, you know, it's Alabama, just a generic team. Tell yourself. That team lost a first-round quarterback to a tongue of Iloa. They lost a couple of high first-round wide receivers in Ruggs and Judy. And now here's what they're going to do the next year against elite defenses, one now in particular in Georgia. They're going to take Mac Jones. I mean, they get the number one quarterback in the country in Bryce Young. He's not even the one who's going to start. Mac Jones is going to start. He's waited his turn there. Mac Jones was a four-star quarterback. We have told you this all year. This is not some... Stopgap. He's not some game manager. He is an elite quarterback. He has the physical tools. Okay, he's not some dude who's dinking and dunking it and let's just hope Waddle takes it sixty yards after the catch. That's not Mac Jones. He can do that, but he can do a lot more too. Not only are they performing well above expectation, it doesn't look like they've missed a beat. Check out what they did yesterday. Again, I want to reiterate. I have not had my opinion eroded about this Georgia defense whatsoever. Mac Jones was 24, where is it? 24 of 32 for 417 through the air. Four touchdowns and doing all that after what they lost last year. 
You want some padlock stats. What if I were to give you this combo? What if I were to tell you Mac Jones is going to throw for over 400 and Najee Harris is going to run for over 150? That was a good game from Najee Harris. And I want to also, I don't think I'm going to talk about him a whole lot more. Um, you know, We talked about how versatile Najee Harris is and the entire package that he brings. And if you were to talk to Kirby Smart and a lot of these folks who were building Najee Harris up during the week, they're not just talking about his ability to run. It's his ability to catch out of the backfield. But how many blocks did you see? How many blitzers did you see him and Miller Forrestal pick up last night? Forrestal going out of the game early, I thought was going to hurt Alabama. And, and they got him back in, and they probably got 70% of him. But they got enough of him. I couldn't even stand up after he received a pass, but he received the pass. And he picked up blitzing linebackers. And that, along with that offensive line, gave Mac Jones time to do whatever he wanted to. In a lot of cases, Waddle and Smith both went over 160 yards receiving. I was having a conversation this morning with someone. Uh, it, we always do this. It's me and a buddy who he's got a background in scouting. And it's always, who's the best football player on the field? And we both said Devontae Smith, but it was also a 1B because Alex Leatherwood last night, um, he was already going to be a first-round draft pick. Alex Leatherwood could take that game from last night and just enshrine it, just freeze it, and make that his tape until the end of time. Alex Leatherwood is an animal, complete and total monster last night, and just all over the place. Every, every little game clip, every little piece of film, pass pro, run blocking, does it all. So that guy... Not that he needed any more validation, but if anyone out there said, mm, still got to see Alex Leatherwood do it against elite edge rushers, I got to see him do it against an elite defensive line. Well, there you go. You got it. Uh, like I said, that offensive line put on a clinic last night. I know it had to pain Kirby Smart to stand at that podium, the visitor's podium, for the first time, maybe outside of like A-Day when he used to coach there, stand at that visitor's podium and know that Think about this. This is not a point that was lost on me. We spent all week last week talking about the 24-7 sports new team talent composite. And this was the first time that Alabama was going to face a team that is equally as talented as them, maybe a smidge more talented. Now, the quarterback position was going to render that a little irrelevant. That's why Bama was favored by six points at kickoff. But the point is, you weren't going to just have your way with Georgia. You didn't think so physically. And Kirby Smart has now built five years building that roster. And he's, he's focused, put a premium on offensive line, defensive line. He understands, as well as anyone, how you win in this league. So think about all that. That's the backdrop. And then he had to step to that podium last night and look his fan base in the eye and look that beat in the eye and say, they out us on the line of scrimmage. At least that offensive line. Pretty badly out us on the line of scrimmage. I think that surprised them. I certainly don't think they took Alabama's offensive line for granted. I think they had supreme amounts of respect, but... The point is, that's for everyone else. It, the respect's one thing, but changing who you are, changing what you do because of the other team, that's when you're outmanned. That's when you do that. Georgia doesn't believe they need to do that. Georgia doesn't believe they need to change who they are for anyone. I talked about this last week, and Alabama made them. Alabama made them adjust a little bit. Uh, they, they brought blitzes like they normally do. There's a tight end to pick them up. Uh, there, there's, there's five right there to pick them up. There's Najee Harris to pick them up. Mac Jones, still time to throw. So, I think they were a little bit surprised by that, but man, oh man, what, what a clinic, an absolute clinic, devastation all night long from the Alabama offensive line. And like I said, that hurts Kirby Smart to say they out physical us five years in that hurts him to say, cause that is the focus 365 days a year in their roster management. 
to get ready for situations like that. I go back. Sometimes I'll just, I'll just watch games and I'll take notes live. Because I, what I can't stand is I can't stand people who will watch a game like last night and then Alabama will run away with in the second half and they'll, in revisionist history fashion, say, man, this, I knew this was over early. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. I didn't. I can tell you that because Georgia had a lead at the half from the game I saw. Unless your replay looks different than mine, you got an alternate box score. I thought Georgia should feel really good about where they were at the half. Could you have scripted a better start? Let me first say, LeBron Ray being out of this game, who has been the most dependable player on that Alabama front, I thought that spelled trouble for Alabama. And as a result, I, it really didn't all that much. Uh, I'm not saying they didn't miss him. I'm just saying it didn't cost him the game or anything along those lines. A turnover on the first play? So you defer, you get the turnover, you essentially, you know, they pointed out in the broadcast accurately, so you're, you're getting to start with both possessions with the ball. How could you not have loved that? How could you not have loved being up 24-20 at the half? And I really felt like they had exerted a little bit of a physical toll on Alabama and their offense. Georgia's offense had really started to find a little rhythm there. And there have been times this year, if you're, if you're an Alabama fan, you've watched that team where once a team catches a groove against them, you just worry, are we going to have trade points the rest of the night? Because this defense hasn't shown me very much in uh, the ability to you know, put their foot in the ground a little bit and get some traction and, and pitch a, a shutout or three or seven points in the second half. So I thought they were in a good position at the half. And that field goal by Alabama, it gave them some juice. And it took a little bit of juice out of the Georgia side. But, I mean, they had a 24-20 to 20 lead, and there's Alabama's defense. One of the more pleasantly surprising Second halves I've seen this year is Alabama's defense uh, being in a vulnerable position. I'll get back to that. And they pitch a shutout in the second half and force some turnovers. And that was a collective effort. I mean, that was Bama's offense scoring, getting Georgia in a position like we talked about with Bennett where they had to trade points. It's not a place Georgia wants to be right now. It's not a place they're equipped to be right now. But do you remember what happened last week? You remember Georgia disposed of Tennessee fairly easily, whereas Alabama had to scratch and claw and, and just like bear crawl over broken shards of glass to get a win against Ole Miss. They were on the field, I think defensively, 85 or 86 plays, something like that. I thought it set up ripe for Georgia physically to maybe take over a second half, and that just never materialized. That's what made it so improbable. Alabama's defense has struggled this year, and not only did they find their footing in the second half, they played the best ball they've played all year in the second half. So huge amounts of praise go to that um, Alabama defense and Pete Golding. Listen, they still got a ton of issues to rectify. Don't get me wrong. Like I said with Jake Rowe, he accurately pointed out there were open receivers for a lot of the night. I mean, there were, again, busts from running backs out of the backfield. Alabama's got a lot defensively to clean up. But at least you know they have players over there. And at least you know... In terms of fortitude, man, like the stuff, the stuff in here that's not necessarily found on a grease board, they showed some of that last night. You know, for George, I couldn't help but think this. In the immediate aftermath, a lot was made last year after the SEC title game. Uh, the fact that they played LSU pretty tough in the first half, and yet, with all that in mind, they still didn't have enough gas in the second half. They just couldn't keep up. LSU pulled away from them. So you bring in the new offensive coordinator. You try and go get transfer quarterbacks. That didn't exactly work out how you expected it to. But uh, an emphasis was placed in the offseason of let's pressure the quarterback more and let's upgrade our offense. Let's enhance our offense. And you do it with these sorts of games in mind. And um, 
you know, we're still pretty early. We've only played four games since that date, really, if you don't count the bowl game and whatnot. But this was eerily reminiscent to me. You guys can tell me if I'm wrong. It was eerily reminiscent of that LSU-SEC title game. Difference in the magnitude, difference maybe in the style of quarterback. But what did we have? We had a competitive first half. Georgia even had the lead in this first half. And you get in the second half, and a great offense did what great offenses at this level do. You will not shut them down. You will not hold them under 30 ever unless they help you out with turnovers. And you couldn't trade points. So in a lot of ways, Georgia fans really aggravated today. And I get it. I get it because you could look at them and you could say, you know, you guys ought to be grateful. And it's not that they're not grateful, but you got to understand something. If you if you have watched this game for a while, if you've watched the sport for a while, you understand you'd never take elite units for granted. Now, we're talking about Bama's offense. Georgia knows they've got an elite defensive unit. And here's what they're worried about. They're worried that it's going to be wasted. Auburn has wasted some elite defenses recently because they could not figure things out on offense. And so Georgia looks right now, and they look at all of that talent and all of that juice over there on defense. And yet, if, if you can't score, man, like if, if you can't pressure folks offensively, we are not limiting teams to under 30. Alabama, you know, LSU last year, the, the best ones, the ones we have to go through if we're Georgia to win a national title. You can't, you can't do that. And so if you're a Georgia fan this morning, you're looking around, you're saying, okay, we got all this talent over here, but man, we could also have Justin Fields on this team. I'm not playing that game. I know you guys do. I, I don't play that game, but you guys do. That's fine. Um, the bottom line is they hadn't gotten quarterback figured out. And so that's the big worry is, Will this defense end up being wasted? Don't just assume. Don't just assume you're going to do defensively what Bama's done offensively. Uh, we'll just reload. We'll be the exact same. That is that is a mirage. I mean, you chase that, and you'll end up chasing that forever. That's so rare to do. So, man, I, I, the big question now obviously becomes JT Daniels. When are we going to see him? I I find it kind of funny that a lot of people I don't think are informed on the matter. Really, they can't be. They keep calling for JT Daniels. I don't know how much planer we can put this. I think Rusty and the guys over on the Dogs 24-7 side have done a great job in explaining Daniels has not been an option. JT Daniels is not ready to play yet. You can disagree with that. You can ask for sources or whatever. They're well-sourced over there. He hasn't been ready to play. It's just not an option right now. So uh, the other thing that, man, before we move on here, Steve Sarkeesian was up for some jobs. Uh, the Mississippi State job. He was up for the Mississippi State job. And Saban was able to keep him. Whew. Is, I mean, is there a guy earning his keep more as a coordinator this year than Steve Sarkeesian? I, that is as good, that's as lethal an offense as we've seen. And you know it is over just personnel making them look good because they lost all the best players from last year. The skill players, the quarterback, and it still looks the same. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. 
Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, let's continue to move here. South Carolina beats Auburn 30-22. to We like South Carolina to win this game outright. I explained to you why. I saw it was a short number. It was three and a half points. It dropped to like two and a half by game time. But I didn't see any reason why Auburn should be favored. I, they haven't controlled a game all year. They are very fortunate to have come into this game, what were they, two and one. Uh, they didn't control Kentucky, but they got turnovers. And there were some questionable calls in that game, but they won the game. And then we had the Arkansas debacle last week, which I just chalk up as a straight-up loss that looks like a win on your resume. And then they come into this game, and they had big problems again. There are big problems at Auburn, but we don't talk about the losers first. We talk about the winners first. So we didn't see any reason why Auburn should be favored. So we took Carolina to cover. We took Carolina to win. Think about the criticism from myself and a number of people who root for Carolina and who cover Carolina. It's been, what's the identity? This is not this year. This is several years running. What's the offensive identity of this team? And I don't know ultimately that where they're going will look like what they did yesterday, but Mike Bobo is smart enough not to try and shoehorn all these players into his system. He understands what he has right now. And so they played to those strengths yesterday. They had an excellent plan. Kentucky and Georgia showed the world, you can just run between the tackles against Auburn. You may not run for 500 yards, but you don't have to. If you play opportunistic defense, that's everything they did yesterday. Be patient, run the ball, stick to that game plan, and then be opportunistic. Because I can tell you another thing we know about Auburn. They are going to provide you opportunities defensively. And they did yesterday. I mean, they ran it, uh, they being South Carolina, 43 times for 153 yards And then they got the Auburn mistakes. There's Bo Nix again. Three more interceptions. He has been uh, average at best this year. Historically, he's been uh, far below average on the road. And field position in those drives that started off turnovers, field position was very good for Carolina, and they took advantage of it. So, I mean, I've wondered for a couple of weeks now, which of these teams could be Carolina, Iowa State, go Cyclones, which of these teams that were left for dead early this year in an unprecedented year, who's going to write off teams early and then see them get off the deck? Carolina was one of those teams. This team, going into the Vanderbilt game last week, I, I thought that was a must win. I, I don't disagree with myself. Rarely I do. Um, or rarely do I. But they needed to win that one. If they didn't, there was talk of an 0-5 start. Well, they're 2-2 two and two now. They're 2-2. Two and two, And you know what they do this week? They go to LSU. So... Um, that's going to be interesting because LSU is off a bye, uh, an unscripted bye, but a bye. J.C. Horn had such a good game here that Auburn targeted him. That's their best corner, maybe one of the best players on Carolina's team, and they targeted him. I'm not going to question game planning. I, I don't even know that that was the game plan. Who in the world knows? But J.C. Horn, he made himself some money yesterday too. I listened to Gus Malzahn's postgame. It was as dejected as I've ever heard him, and I've heard a lot of Gus Malzahn postgame pressers. 
He knows they don't have a fastball. And if you're watching the Major League Baseball playoffs right now, everybody who's still alive has a fastball. They don't have one. What do they do? Do they play elite defense? No. Do they have an elite running game? They got a guy who's an emerging back in Tank Bigsby, but he's a true freshman. So, I mean, at the very least, we can say their run game isn't what they expected it to be because I don't think they expected Bigsby to be their 1A option there. They certainly don't have an elite passing game. Uh, they are the ones, the Auburn Tigers being the ones now, who kind of lack an overall identity offensively, and Malzahn knows that. And he also knows, let me tell you something, that team's fortunate they're not 0-4 right now. They're 2-2. Two two. That team right there is a 1-3, 0-4 caliber team masquerading as a 2-2 two two team. They cannot control games. They cannot avoid the costly mistakes. And Auburn had three trips in the red zone yesterday that resulted in, I think, three field goals. So not the best of days there. And they've got a lot of soul searching to do. Like I said, that's a 2-2 two two team. Could be an 0-4 team. And afterwards, sure enough, there was Malzahn. If you've, if you've covered Auburn, if you've followed Auburn, I, I've covered them for a while, so I know this. Like clockwork, every time they lose a game, Gus Malzahn will step to the nearest microphone and he will say some version of this sentence. I promise you we're going to get better. I promise you we're going to improve from this. We're going to be better because of this. And he said it yesterday, uh, we will improve. I promise you that was the exact quote. And many times he said that I've wondered, how do you know? How do you, how can you promise that? Uh, will you sign a piece of paper that says that? Of course not. It's, it's, it is coach speak. I don't know that there's any real reason to expect that. Uh, what young talent on this team are you waiting for to emerge? You've got Bigsby, and I understand that, but I mean, Seth Williams is who he is. He's your number one target out wide. Bo Nix largely is who he is at this point. I, that offensive line ceiling is probably average at best. You lost your quarterback of your defense, and so I, I don't know. Uh, Auburn, uh, the other thing to remember about them before we move on, they have not recruited at an elite level. They've recruited good but they do not have this championship caliber roster or championship caliber depth to where they can go into a game against Carolina, for example, and bring their B-minus effort and just rely on their roster, just rely on their helmet to win out. That's not Auburn. They got to execute, and they didn't yesterday, and Carolina did. So congratulations to Will Muschamp. How about this one? Not a typo. Kentucky 34, Tennessee 7. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this, but I just wanted to talk about easily the most baffling result that I saw yesterday. I mean, we got to credit Kentucky. Like we said, winners first. We got to credit Kentucky. They forced mistakes, and man, did they capitalize. They jumped on Tennessee. And it's important to note, there were two teams on the field yesterday, and one of them was totally sure of themselves, and it wasn't the team in orange. And that is a disappointment. That's a big, I don't care what kind of loss you're coming off. That's a big disappointment. This Kentucky team did not come out of the gates on fire this year, but they know who they are. They, they, they absolutely know who they are. And as soon as you put just a little bit of blood, you like paper cut your index finger, blood in the water, here they come. They're like 15 sharks on you. And that's exactly what happened. This was nothing short of a meltdown offensively, especially at quarterback for Tennessee. I watched this game. I couldn't believe what I was watching. And Jarrett Garantano, it's unfortunate if you think about the last uh, eight quarters of play for Tennessee, all of which he hasn't been involved in. Garrett, Garantano did not play a bad first half against Georgia. When you started the second half from that point through this game, uh, he's, been, he's been pretty bad. And he threw two early interceptions there. I, I knew, I mean, I think everyone watching the game knew at that point, 
all right, Pruitt's going to make a move. Because, I mean, the game was getting away from him. As it turns out, the game was already over, but the game was getting away from him. And so he did make a move. But here's the problem. Moves don't automatically equal improvement because you bring in Shroud and boom, another interception. So three in the first half there. And Kentucky's turning them all into points. And at that point, it's a Kentucky is not this kind of team that is ultra weak defensively. And don't worry, we can spot them a three-score lead. We'll reel them in in the second half. That's not Kentucky. That's not Kentucky at all. Kentucky, when they get a lead on you, instead of being like chest to chest to you, they just stick their arm way out and they got you by the throat and you're like a 10-year-old. It's like, it's like if when you're, when you're an older brother and, and you're holding your little brother at arm's length and he's trying to punch and he's trying to punch but he can't reach you. Listen, that's not the way the SEC is supposed to work. Kentucky's not supposed to be the one holding Tennessee at arm's length, but through two things. Number one, uh, giving them the ball. And number two, them taking full advantage of it. That's exactly what happened yesterday. So it wasn't even disguised coverages, man. It was just, it was so blatant. It was one of those where my grandma could watch it and say, man, what is he looking at? What is he seeing? So I just, how, how, I know what a lot of you were asking at Tennessee. How is this the absolute best? Like, how is this the quarterback situation? How does it turn out to be like this? Listen, they're asking that at Georgia, okay? And they've recruited top classes every year. That's why you got to appreciate so much what Alabama's doing. They lose uh, a topper of all quarterback to the draft. They just got another one there. Oh, and if he, if he doesn't pan out, they got the number one player in the country there. You've got to keep recruiting. You got to keep accepting transfers. You got to just keep stacking guys. Let me tell you, I know it looks dark right now, but it only takes one. And that brings me to this week. They play Alabama. They're going to get skull drug by Alabama this week. But who starts that game? For you Tennessee fans, who starts that game? I have no idea how this is even a debate. How is the answer not Harrison Bailey? How is he not starting against... I, I, you're not going to beat Alabama. I don't expect them to be competitive against Alabama. But my goodness, at this point, what are you salvaging? By putting Garantano back out there? Or Shroud, Mowers transferring? So, I mean, what, what, what are you salvaging? You've got to build. I mean, you got to work towards something. So... I don't get that that's even a debate. Here's something else that's not a debate before we move on. This happens apparently every time someone loses a game now. My Twitter inbox and just just mentions blow up with, oh, is it time to start thinking about moving on from Jeremy Pruitt? No, it's not. End of debate, if there was one. Arkansas 33, Ole Miss 21. Um... Boy, oh boy, Sam Pittman, rightfully so, gave a ton of praise to Barry Odom in his postgame presser. Barry Odom was the head coach at Missouri. That whole staff got fired. Barry Odom is a defensive guy, and Pittman got him as his defensive coordinator. And let me tell you, this has since become kind of public, but behind the scenes, LSU and Ed Orgeron went after Odom hard, and they wanted him. But Pelini was not their first choice. I don't care what they say publicly. They wanted Barry Odom. Didn't get him. Odom chose Sam Pittman, and Odom chose Arkansas. I think we all see why LSU coveted Barry Odom so much. Uh, Matt Corral, that Ole Miss quarterback man, just just rained bombs all over Alabama last week. Two touchdowns, which is not bad. Six interceptions, pretty bad. Uh, that's oof, no bueno, no bueno at all. And that's just a week after shredding Alabama. And I had a coach that I was talking to this week that Man, he he basically laid out what Alabama didn't do against Ole Miss and what Arkansas did do. You got to humble yourself a little bit to do this, and Barry Odom did. 
And that coach told me this. He said, the key to defending Ole Miss, it's not hard in theory. It's hard to execute. It's hard to convince players to do it. You got to stop worrying about chasing the rabbits and you just got to defend the hole. That's exactly what Arkansas did yesterday. Ole Miss got some yards. Ole Miss got some easy first downs at time. They didn't find the hole very often, did they? 33-21's the final there. Arkansas shut them out in the first half. So Arkansas, to me, is a 3-1 and team right now. I know the record says they're 2-2. Two and two. They won the Auburn game to me. So they're 3-1. and one. Felipe Franks was 21-34 of 34 for 244 yards yesterday. So another solid performance there. This is just, it's not a bad football team. They are not bad at all. And this was the one, remember, that the SEC League office threw into the wood chipper in terms of scheduling, then again last week, in terms of an outcome, and yet there they are. Then you got a lot of much more high-profile logos in the SEC that would gladly trade places with them. Last one I wanted to touch on in the SEC, A&M was a 28-14 winner over Mississippi State. And you may say to yourself, big deal, they're supposed to do that. No, it is a big deal. It's a very big deal. If you've watched Late Kick, you know I don't just skim over your win if you were favored. I don't, I don't only talk about you if you win as an underdog. Because let me tell you something. Yesterday was very important for Texas A&M. They came out of that Florida win. It's an obvious letdown spot on the road. And it's, it's do or die time for Mississippi State. That's not an easy game. I don't care if you think it is. It's not. And the reason why I believe in crediting teams when they do what they're supposed to is because I want you to think about two different sides of the coin yesterday. Yeah, two teams. One being A&M and the other being Tennessee, who were in very similar spots. They were both four, five, six point some odd favorites. And yet, think about the two opposite directions things went. A&M wins 28-14. Tennessee gets shellacked by Kentucky. This is a, so it's a classic credit where credit is due kind of situation. K.J. Costello, quarterback from Mississippi State, since that week one Heisman win, he has thrown 10 picks. He was taken out of this game for Will Rogers, who I did not think played bad yesterday. But A&M, very workmanlike. I mean, this was this was not one that you'll probably go back and watch replays of a lot in the offseason. But they had six quarterbacks, and they had five more quarterback hurries, and it was a big deal yesterday. And Isaiah Spiller continues to be a big deal for them. And running back, they've they have lost a lot of receivers to for several reasons. And so they have... They've started to find themselves a little bit. Spiller was uh, 18 carries, 114 yards, and two more touchdowns yesterday. And now AM's going to go quiet for a little while. They got a bye week, and then when they start up again, uh, they play Arkansas and then at South Carolina. So it may be a little while before they play a game that's on your radar. Just remember that's a one loss team, and their one loss is to Alabama. And they played Alabama kind of like Georgia did yesterday. So just keep an eye on that AM team couple of takeaways from the ACC yesterday. Uh, my goodness, Notre Dame. I don't know how many of you got eyeballs on this game, so to speak. Notre Dame beat Louisville 12-7. to So here's, here's a couple of things that you would think. If you were driving all day yesterday, or you just had better things to do, and you opened up your phone this morning, you yawned, and you said, wait, ooh, what happened to Notre Dame? 12-7? to uh, They must have played in rain. No, it didn't rain. Oh, they must turn the ball over a lot. No turnovers. 12 to 7. That's just, that was the game. 12 to 7. Louisville. Louisville. You know the one Miami went up and down the field on? Louisville. Yeah. Ian Book, quarterback for Notre Dame, 11 of 19 for 106 yards. There's nothing hidden. And what I'm trying to stress to you is there's nothing hidden in the box score. There is no padlock stat, in other words, where you would open it and you say, okay, now it makes sense. No, this was just a straight up game. Nothing hidden here. Notre Dame had a 
60% touchdown rate now. That's what they adjust to after this game, a 60% touchdown rate in the red zone. That's not very good if you don't keep up with such things. Uh, they, they get to the red zone, can't punch it in. They kick field goals. That's why this thing is 12 to 7 instead of 28 to 7. Um, you know, the other thing that I was thinking about this game is if I were to tell Scott Satterfield, head coach at Louisville, before this one, they are so badly in need of a win. If I were to tell him, Scott, if I were to, you know, get in his ear day before a game, Scott, um, you're going to hold Notre Dame to 12 in South Bend. Will you take it? He takes it 100 times out of 100 and would bet his life that they are about to get a program-defining win. They didn't. 12-7 to 7 is the final there. And this could be, Louisville could be a 3-7 and 7 team. I'm just kind of looking at the rest of their way. It, they, that, that's a disappointment. That, that team's been a big disappointment this year. How about Florida State? How about Florida State over uh, allegedly top five North Carolina? 31-28 to 28 is the final. Florida State led this one 24-0. It was on during the Alabama-Georgia game. I know a lot of you may have not have been watching this. Uh, Flor- I don't know how to tell you this. Florida State kind of owned the line of scrimmage. How about these numbers? 20 quarterback pressures. Not so far this year, friends. 20 quarterback pressures in this game and four sacks. Poor Sam Howell was on the run all night. He probably thought they had 16 defenders on the field at times. And you got to credit Mike Norvell. This is not easy. When you play as badly as they've played, think about starting the way they did. They get embarrassed by Georgia Tech. They end up getting run out of the building by Miami. And you're a first-year head coach, so sometimes you don't know if, if you have, if what you believe, if your culture and identity has taken hold with your team. You can lose a locker room, and he hasn't. Because I can tell you, if he had lost the locker room, you would not have gotten an inspired effort like they got yesterday. North Carolina, they struggle to play complete games. Let's just be honest about it. They were a big favorite against Boston College. They couldn't pull away. They couldn't play a complete game against Virginia Tech. And to, yesterday, bit them. Uh, they didn't play a complete game here, obviously, at all. It was, a, it was a valiant comeback effort uh, that was stopped just short. But, I mean, that's why you don't let someone build a big lead on you. They were 2 of 11 on third downs and 0 of 3 on fourth downs. And that, I think, pretty much tells the tale there. Florida State goes to Louisville Saturday. So that's a team that just got up off the deck and got themselves a huge win. And that's another team badly in need of a huge win. Uh, I also want to tell you this. So because I'm having to record this a little bit earlier in the day so Colin can get it cut up, I'm not including on this our best bet. What you need to do, our early best bet. We normally debut that on Sunday night. I will be releasing that. I may have already released it by the time you watch this. If you haven't, it will be coming tonight at some point. Early best bet, at least one, maybe more, for this upcoming week. We are hitting at 59% right now against the number. We feel very good about where we're at. And at late kick Josh on Twitter is where you want to follow me for that. All right, I got to wrap this up. I got to get it sent to Colin. Remember, we got another big week of games coming up. It's another good slate. Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night, 8 Eastern, 7 Central. That's where you can find us live here on the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. Follow me, like I said, on Twitter at late kick Josh and subscribe to the Late Kick Podcast. We do two exclusive podcast episodes per week, all mailbag. So if you want to get questions in, you can email me joshpate706 at gmail.com or DM me on Twitter. All right, good weekend and got another good one coming up. It's the middle of college football season. The Big Ten is here. We got Big Ten previews coming up this week. Really looking forward to it. For Director Colin back in Nashville, for Jordan and Tony on the podcast side of things, I'm Josh Pate. Have a great week and God bless.